Thanks so much to Pod Plays Podcast, bringing great stories, epic songs, audio dramas that are a movie for your ears. Within each story, you'll discover new and original music by Nashville's top hit songwriters. Visit podplays.com to find the stories, the app, and links to follow Pod Plays on all your favorite social media sites. I got to get those balls on my tracks, please. <laughs> really? I want, I want balls on my track. This is the Marty Ray Project Chats, and I'm Marty Ray, one of the hosts of this podcast. You might know me from a beard video, a prank call, a rap song turned acoustic cover, or hopefully one of my original albums. And I'm Chris Wallen. You might know me from... Where would they know me from again? You might know Chris from number one hit songs like Don't Blink by Kenny Chesney and Something to Be Proud of by Montgomery Gentry. Whether you know either one of us or not, I bet you're going to have fun here. Welcome to the project. Download, subscribe, and rate, whether you love it or not. Sound supplied by Roadcaster Pro. He's an NFL player that tackled other players for the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl. Most people never even get to watch it in person. He played in it. He was instrumental in helping the Seattle Seahawks fans break the Guinness World Record for loudest crowd roar in a stadium, and he's a business tycoon. Welcome to the show, Joe Tafoya from The Ranch. What's up, brother? I'm doing great. That was a that was a good intro. Decent. Okay, well, it's <laughs> the best I can do. I'm just doing the best I can over here, Joe. <laughs> You know, your, your beard looks good though. It really does. Yeah, it's better than decent, ain't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, you wish, Joe. <laughs> you might have played in the Super Bowl, but you don't have a beard like this. Nah, it took me a year, maybe longer, to grow that one. Yeah, you take you. You wouldn't be able to grow this. Only God only put this beard on one person, and that's me. <laughs> it's actually not coming My from eyebrows. his chin. It's his chest hair. <laughs> that's what it yeah. is. And it, it grows and it's up. just like it grows up. <laughs> It's not coming from his chin. That's so weird. Yeah, it's very strange. That's why nobody can do this. Do yeah, my eyebrows. Yeah, I can do my eyebrows to grow like that and just cover my bald spot. You know. Yes, sir. Now, well, you got a huge bald. Your whole your shaved head. I think right. You got a shaved head. Yeah. All the way. Yeah. yeah. And I got some eyebrows too. We can have an eyebrow off. If yeah. you, whenever you're ready. <laughs> whenever your eyebrow. Yeah, eyebrow off. Man, you ever had that? Little, you ever had one? Yeah. Yeah, there's that rock. Like the rock, you know. Yeah. What uh, what's what? What are we looking at behind us here? Is that? Am I looking at horses? Yeah, those are horses behind me. We've got nine here on my property. I've got five goats, about two hundred chickens. Nice. A couple turkeys, some pheasants. Got a full-on farm slash ranch out here. Very nice. Wow. Yeah. You get you 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 living off of land out there, or is it on city sewage? Yeah. Um, so this is the Pacific Northwest. We are on 20 acres up here and I'm like 10 minutes from Microsoft. So I get two or three wow. phone calls a day from people trying to buy my place from me. I bet. We're sitting on a pretty valuable piece of property here. What's the biggest offer you got? Well, we don't, <laughs> you know, I haven't really entertained many offers cause I'm <laughs> considering this a generational ranch, but right. uh, I did get one for 1.6. Nice. What would what would the yeah. price be that would actually get you to sell it? Everyone has a price, don't they? They do. What's your <laughs> price? Is what I'm just curious. Maybe Microsoft's listening. Maybe I can get a bird dog fee. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> if we get closer to two, I'm selling. 
<laughs> well, I was hoping he was going to say three. I'm going to tell him three because that three. makes my price higher. Through. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fast five. You ready, Joe? Okay. Go. Who is the greatest music artist of all time? George Strait. George Strait. I like it. He's a country music guy, I guess. Which of your friends are you most proud of? Most proud of my friend Andrew. He's got four daughters and a wife that he puts up with. And um, I shouldn't say puts up with. They, it's too late. You already said that. <laughs> he, goes, he goes through a lot. I'm what proud if, of him. He, he's overcome a lot. Would you rather have? Would you rather have to eat a bowl of crickets or a bowl of worms? A uh, bowl of worms. Really? I, I fish a lot. You know? Yeah. We we actually grow mealworms here. And in some countries, mealworms are That's true. a replacement for grain. Yeah. I was thinking more like an earthworm, though, which would be tough for mm. me. I could probably eat a mealworm yeah. pretty easy. But easier than That's a cricket. Like I'd, fry, I'd have to fry it. Yeah. Well, I guess it that. didn't say if you could fry it. And I guess you could fry it. Yeah. Well, if you could fry it, I mean, I've eaten crickets that are cooked yeah. many yeah. times. You ever had a cricket, Joe? I have not. I had some alligator yesterday, though. Nice. Mm. I like it. You fry that up. That's good. Heck yeah. yeah. Alligator in Seattle. I, I, I was in Florida, and I got one. I got oh. cast to do a television show for the Sportsman Outdoor. They let me get a 12-footer. Okay. So you was, nice. just on a re- you was on a TV show recently. I'm on a TV show. It's coming out in July. Oh, you're actually the, the host or the, the lead in it? I'm the lead in it. Yes, sir. Son of a gun. Look That's at awesome, you. man. We caught him just yeah. before the sore. <laughs> I got a boar. I got an alligator and a black drum, which is a huge fish. And I shot him with the bow. And then I wow. got drunk and fell in the water. I've caught him many a drums. <laughs> it sounds like a good episode. It does. Yeah. Where you got drunk Hopefully. and fell in the water. What'd you get drunk on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Budweiser, Bud Light, anything that they had, basically. Bush, Naughty Ice. Hmm. There's a freezer full. I mean, a fridge full of it. You seem like you was a partier back in the day. Maybe still. Yeah. yeah. Huh? I'm not as young as I used to be. How old are you? Troubadour. <laughs> 42 now. How old do you think I am? Uh, 28, 29. Really? Wow. Now he just now he's just guessing low. You he said like, he got bad eyes. Maybe <laughs> 38 is what I am. Yeah, I think you got messed up eyes. You said you said you. No, you uh, uh, he's a George Strait fan. The uh, right. and you said Troubadour. The the yeah. people that we're uh, that own the place where we are yeah. right now uh, was a good friend of mine, Leslie Satcher, and she wrote Troubadour yep. for George Strait. We're in the person that wrote Troubadour's building right now. I feel like I'm there with you guys. You are it's one of my favorite you. songs. Yeah, sing a little bit of Heck it. Yeah, <laughs> sing a little uh, bit. Of it. <laughs> Just give us a hint. I, I thought we were talking about football. <laughs> well, we ain't there yet. <laughs> Just an old troubadour. Huh? Hit That's it. Right. Hit the rest of it. I ain't going to get him to do it. <laughs> no. You can't peer pressure a football oh, player. Oh, heck no. You can't no. peer pressure a Super Bowl football player. You can't do it. Especially when they're not in front of you. How big old boy are you anyway? What are you, about 5'8"? 6'4", 260. That don't scare me none. <laughs> 
back back in my day, I'd run through a wall though. Would you? Yeah, they used to send me down the field on kickoff as the point of the spear. That was back when they had four guys locked together, and they say, "Joe, you just go right head first, and you break the wedge right there." That's what you do. Is that what you, you did ass, it too? I didn't you? Do it all the time. Oh yeah. Golly, man, I can't just, remember much of it. <laughs> you yeah. died, You got some. You got some. Uh, some brain issues from uh, football playing. You think? I think so. Yeah. Some concussions. I mean, you had a lot of concussions. What do they call I that? I couldn't think. Of, I was trying to sound smart. It's and called it's, CTE. CTE. Chronic traumatic encephalopathy. That's it. That's a real problem. That's a super it real is. problem. If you could mm-hmm. live in any TV home, which one would it be? Any, the Kardashians probably. The Kardashians, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't Joe. watch much TV. Man. Yeah, but Joe, when you was growing up, who like was you watch? Nice house. What'd you watch when you was growing oh, you know up? Who has a nice house? Um. What what the hell's the name of the the couple that's they're always fixing up homes out in Austin? Oh, you talking about uh, uh, uh Chip and Diane? My wife loves them. Chip, yeah, and, Chip and Diane, they whatever her name is, Joanne. Nice Joanne, I got that. That's Joanne. smart there. That's a smart move. Yeah. I, I didn't really think about that. I just said TV show. Right. It's smart to go to somebody that fixes homes up because hmm. they probably got a really nice home. That's a good. That's a good call, Joe. I see where you're going with that. If you could only eat one food the rest of your life, what would it be? Is that a real question? Tacos. Yeah, that's a real question. These Man. are all real questions. <laughs> tacos, I mean. Forever. Tacos are life. Yeah. I, I eat them every day anyway. Well, good thing about that is you can have all different kinds of tacos. That's true. Well, it can always be a different taco every day. Somebody else said tacos before. Yeah, who was it? I don't remember, but they said the same thing. You could all you get chicken taco, beef taco, pork taco, and yada yada Wasn't yada. It MMA guy, I think, said that. Uh, well, uh, Stephen Thompson. Yeah, you know Stephen Thompson. Thompson. No, but he's a very smart man. That one. He's a smart man. You watch any MMA? <laughs> I watch a little. Do you still yeah, watch football? A little. I, I do watch football. I watch a lot of sports. I coach a lot of sports too. I like coaching youth youth sports right but right. i get called in every once in a while to help coach some uh, college athletes and some professional semi-professional work on hand movement hand placement right things like that are you a lot of hand fighting when you're playing defense are you a fan still of, clearly you're still a fan of seahawks right you got i am it's yep. so bright right now that the way they can see you from the sky and what you're wearing <laughs> like they could drop they, a bomb on you in a hurry be careful microsoft is looking for you joe <laughs> they know where i am i live they sure I do we all do i pulled up google maps and i saw you <laughs> i know exactly where you're at no but uh was who was you a fan of growing up though it wasn't the seahawks was it uh, no i grew up in the bay area so i got to watch the 49ers and jerry rice ronnie lott roger craig tom rathman those guys and then they didn't draft me and so, screw those guys. I don't like them anymore. Mm. Did they have yeah. a chance to draft you, though? Oh, yeah. Everybody you, did. I, I, got, I got picked in the seventh round by Tony Dungy of the Tampa oh, Bay Buccaneers. Oh, that's true. I just read that. I didn't think about that. I guess everybody had a chance to get you. How yeah. does it feel? Like, I had a when you're, injuries. When you're waiting to see at a draft, what kind of pressure is on a, on a boy – that's his dream is to be in football, and he's sitting there waiting to win. And the seventh round's the last round. Last round. 
So you're sitting there going, at this point, are you going, I'm not going to get picked at this point. That's what you're probably thinking, right? I started, that thought came into my head quite often. I got a, I got a phone call from the Tennessee Titans in round four. And they said, we're going to take you with our next pick. And so my whole house was full of people and everybody's excited for me. You know, all the people that supported me my whole life. And the pick came and went. They picked the offensive lineman, didn't pick me. And so I got sick. I was I had to go into the room and get away from everybody. It's a lot of pressure, you know? Well, yeah. A lot and, of pressure. Uh, and then round five goes by, round six goes They're picking defensive ends from Akron and places that you never heard of. And <laughs> I'm still sitting on the board. And at one point, one of the commentators said, you know, give me your top five best players. And my name was at the top of the list. And then next thing I know, Tony Dungy calls me and goes, hey, get your stuff together. You're coming to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And then it flashed across the screen, you know, and my whole house went crazy. Did you the, – the question I have for people is because it's like when you're sitting in that moment and that's your mm-hmm. dream. Right. Now you're, you're watching your dream flash before your eyes thinking that you watch your hope dwindling, right? Like as it gets to that place, and then what's the feeling like? How much it feels like? It seems like it would be. What I'm trying to ask you, it seems like it would be more emotional yeah. to get to the end and think it's over, and then find out it's not, than it would be to know you're going in the first round. You know, because yeah, some of those first round right. guys are like, I know I'm going to get picked. They're just trying to get pick number one. Right. So yeah, it, that's right. It was super and, emotional and for you, wasn't not? Very emotional, and the, one of the most stressful things was I had my whole family there. It was a big party, like 50 guys, 50, 50 Hispanics over there <laughs> partying. They were making tacos. And um, we we waited and waited, and everybody's kind of looking over at me like, oh, how's he feeling? And, you know, you start to feel that pressure. And it just was a sense of relief, you know, like you just feel that burden come off of you because I made it. But there was a lot of buildup, you know. I played five years in college, I redshirted my first year, and then I went to the Senior Bowl and All Star Game, and then I did the NFL Combine. And each step along the way, you learn a little bit more about yourself, and you really have to want this to get it, because it's a two percent of all college athletes get to make it pro. And during that process, a lot of guys fall out. You know, some of the best players you've never heard of are sitting at home right now. Because, you know, they didn't do well in school or they, could, they couldn't figure out how to pass a drug test right. or they had a terrible 40-yard dash time on one day, you know. And you, the, the margin of, of difference between a guy like me and a first-round guy is very small. But it all comes down to what the team believes in you and, like, there's a lot that goes into it. Got some amazing stories about the Combine. I've had, I've had an incredible journey to get to where I am right now, sitting in my farm. I do whatever the hell I want now, Marty. I say the same thing. That's very, very cool that you said some of the greatest players you've never seen never made it. I say the same thing about singers, songwriters, Mm -hmm. and actors. Because some of the best Mm -hmm. ones you've never heard or seen are waiting tables or working at a factory because they just never got that shot or they just gave up. Usually now football is a little different because at some point you can, you can say, go your whole life. You can be a football player and say, I'm never quitting. I'm never giving up. But eventually 
at a certain age, you, you just, you're done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't. You're not gonna make the NFL if you're 50. Right. You know, it just ain't gonna that's happen. Right. But so that's a there's a narrow window, and then you talk about two percent of of college athletes make it to the NFL. What's the percentage of those athletes that make it to the NFL that actually make it to the Super Bowl? What's the percentage? Oh, much much smaller. So it's, small. It's yeah. Below one. Below one percent. And you made it. I made it. What a blessing. Played in the Super Bowl. And got three and tackles. I had a moment. Right? Three tackles? And the, I had a moment. That's right. And I had a moment where I'm standing on the field and it's opening kickoff and they kick the ball up in the air and I just got lost. Right. And I'm, my job is to set the wedge. I'm blocking for the, the kick returner. So I'm looking up and there are all these flashes and. I just got lost in the moment, and my guy goes running right past me and makes the play. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Then you have to wake up. It's time to wake up and play football then. I want to look that up game. and see if I can see Joe just sitting there. Just kind of looking yeah. up. <laughs> That's how I would be. I've actually been to a Super Bowl. Not many people get to actually see it in person either, but I've been to one. I was at the Blackout Bowl. You remember that? Uh, Ravens and 49ers. That's right. When the lights went out, you know, your favorite team, the 49ers. I was rooting <laughs> yeah. against them yeah. because they didn't pick you. That's why I was rooting against them. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad Screw they lost. <laughs> Ray Lewis last year. You know who Ray Lewis is? The – no. You probably would know him. I actually know a Ray Lewis. You probably would know this guy if you – if because he was – he was very polarizing. He was all. He was very cool. Uh, he he was well known inside and outside of football, but he was great motivator, right? Did you did you ever meet Ray Lewis? I did. I met Ray Lewis he's inside super, and outside of football. He's super cool. Ain't he's he? as intense as a human off, off the field as he was on the field. Yeah, man. Just a he's a great dude. Yeah. When he came out of that tunnel, I was right. I was sitting right behind the goalpost, and I saw Ray Lewis coming out of the. The tunnel at the Super Bowl. The energy there is – we were in New Orleans, the Superdome. And the energy – when the Superdome – when these people start roaring in the Superdome, you feel it in your chest. It's very strange. And uh, when he came out, it seemed like everybody was for the Ravens <laughs> to me, even though I don't think they were. But anyway, nonetheless, great Super Bowl. A little scary when the lights went out. thought there was about to be some kind of yeah. attack on the building. But uh, there was a little black yeah. helicopter flying outside. When I went outside and I couldn't I couldn't get my phone because mm. uh, they had these little charging stations where you could take your Verizon sponsor to charging stations. You take your phone to it and put it in there and they lock it up. But it was electronic, so when the lights went out, you couldn't get your I couldn't get my phone. Oh no! So I'm trying to get oh, a hold man. of my little brother who's with me. He he had just went to the bathroom. I don't know where he's at. Right. I go outside. This is pretty crazy. I go outside. Because, you know, the the amount of famous people at a Super Bowl is pretty high. So I go outside. There's a bunch of people outside. There's this guy on his phone, and I walk up and say, hey, man, when you get when you get time, can I can I make a phone call with your, with your phone? He goes, uh, no. I go, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I said, it ain't like I don't have a phone, buddy. And I go, wait a minute. I know who you are. You're Rick Harrison from Pawn Stars. Monsters, I, said, yeah. I freaking know you. I said, I've watched your show religiously. I said, I ain't going to watch it no more. That's what I told him. <laughs> he goes, uh, 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 like that. Like, didn't care. But, yeah. I, you know, I still watch right. it. I mean, I watch it now. Right. You know what I mean? I do. I really I'm going to stop Mark. watching it. <laughs> Chris, 
Am I keep, am I interesting in this story or is you're it, very interesting? Okay, I just didn't know. I couldn't tell. I don't know if I'm born Joe well, or not. Do you do you believe in conspiracy theories? Hundred percent. Okay, so um, I played in the Super Bowl where Super Bowl Forty, worst officiating game of all time, the most fixed Super Bowl of all time, the most fixed Super Bowl. I'm on the field. Yeah, it's third quarter. We're losing, just barely. And one of our players comes running to the referee and says, this guy's been holding me all game. What game are you watching? And the referee turns and looks at him and says, relax, this game's already over. Okay. Oh. So this is happening in the game. Wow. Third quarter. Whoa. A whole quarter left to play. A lot can happen in a game. We he know. says, this game is over. There's a famous um, video of Mike Holmgren taking off his headset and slamming it on the ground. It was because of that moment. He knew we were getting screwed over in that. And I, wow. I like to think that in the game that you were at, where the 49ers were winning and they had some momentum going, that it was purposely stopped. To make sure Ray stopped. Lewis won his last Super Bowl. That's right. I'm glad they did it. I'm glad they did it, Joe. Yeah. For us. Not to me. For, for us, Joe. <laughs> the 49ers no. hate you. Joe no, is. No, no, I'm talking about, Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Forget the 49ers. Yeah, forget but the 49ers. I hate the 49ers. Plus, conspiracy. I'm a Cowboys fan. Or I used to be. I was a Cowboys fan my whole life. I don't really – be honest with you, I don't watch too much football anymore. Too political. Yeah, you're a busy guy. <laughs> you know, we were talking about people that um, – the best you've never seen, the best you've never heard of. Right. right. You, you're one of those guys. I am. You know? Best you, you've never heard of. You, you start, I'm the best you you'll never hear of. <laughs> What'd you say? You're singing. I appreciate that. You started that. your own YouTube thing. You're, you're singing. You, pe more people need to see you. More people need to hear you. Man, hey, man. I'm, can I come to the ranch and do a big concert? <laughs> Hell yeah, you can. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll send you my fee. <laughs> and uh, we'll get it worked out. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just play a joke. It really would be uh, something to talk about. I'm going I'm to talk to you about doing a uh, – we'll eat tacos. I like tacos. I've put on many events, my friend. Have you really? I've put on events for 100,000 people. At your ranch? 100,000 people? Not my ranch. No. Oh. CenturyLink Stadium. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, golly. A, no. No, no. We had a, Do you see my horse walking by? They just walk I do. And eat crap all over my lawn. You know I'm terrified <laughs> of horses. What? Terrified. Yeah. You know what? Here's this. is Nobody knows this, but I just got a call from my agent because I'm an actor as well. I just got a call from my agent. He said, hey, I'm, I'll, uh, looks like somebody wants you to audition for uh, the new Will Smith movie. Right? I go, oh, sweet. He goes, it'd be a supporting lead, right? And he says, uh, he says, you know, you, as you know, it's a period piece, and you know what that means. I said, I said, yeah, they're going to want me to play a racist, right? He goes, yeah. I said, What's, I said, how much it paid? He told me the prize. I was like, all right. <laughs> and so then, but then he said, okay, but then he I said, mean, okay, if I have to. Place. And then he says, and then he says, how are you riding horses? I said, oh, wait a minute. Uh, he said, I said, I could probably. He goes, are you scared of horses at all? I said, well, define scared. And he goes, are you, do they make you nervous? I said, yeah, they make me nervous. They can kill you with a kick. Of course they make me nervous. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. Just sit back there, there's, there's brutal murderers back there behind you just walking around. Yeah. Just murderers. Hey, 
horses can be jerks. You're right about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but you just don't, you don't stand behind them, you know? You'd be smart about it. I ride, see the big black one behind me? That's mm-hmm. my horse. His name is Guinness. And uh, we're riding through a trail one day, and out pops this bear. And this dumb horse rears up, throws me off next to the bear, and he takes <laughs> off back home. <laughs> <laughs> you see I'm what I'm saying? He's like, take a snack. You see what I'm saying? I'm Horses are evil. Next to a damn bear, and I got to run home in my cowboy boots. God, man. Did, well, that, that horse was like, all I got to do is outrun you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there was a bear. It saw a bear. I didn't catch that part. You know, I only, yeah. only listen to the end of stories. Yeah. Joe, that's all. I'm, yeah. People people find that out. Yeah. I, I'm, 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 I'm literally, I got to make sure, I got to really tune out to not hear the beginning. Just to hear the end. No, that's okay. not true. But I really did. I really didn't hear the bear part. Did you say there was a bear? Yeah, he did. Yes. Thank you the for listening. Yeah, popped out intentively. <laughs> anyway, that's the crazy. The, out and throws me. The horse throws me off after the bear popped out and left me there with a the bear. <laughs> bear ran off too. Thank goodness. Because I'll fight a bear. I'm not afraid of a bear. I'll fight a bear. Well, you're as, as tall fact, as some bears. When when that boar. Now, you can only do this in Texas and Florida because Florida is a different country. But they handed me a spear. I'm talking Shaka Zulu spear. Wow. And they call the dogs and they say, we're going to go bay this boar, which means they corner the boar. And you come running over with your spear and you gore it. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm in for this. Yeah, this is, I want to do this. This is one of two places in America you can do this. All right. They got these dogs with the radio collars, you know, and so they send the dogs out dogs go, they, they find the boar and all of a sudden this crazy noise breaks out and it's the dog and the boar fighting. Wow. And I come around the corner with my spear and there's no way it's 350 pound uh, boar and I'm not getting close to that thing. No way. Oh boy. They're, they're serious (laughs) animals, buddy. Oh, ah. it's, it's goring. It's goring the dog. The dog's flipping up in the yeah. air and coming back. And, you know, it's wearing Kevlar and everything. So I, they pitch me their nine millimeter and I take five or six shots at this thing. It goes down and I came up with my pocket knife and stabbed it right in the heart. Mm. That's a true nice. story. And we man, got it on a- film. Hopefully they show that piece. <laughs> wow. I'm oh, thinking to myself, who, who, which one of my friends would actually stab the boar? in the heart with a pocket knife and i couldn't think of many friends and the ones i could think of were all a little messed up in the head you know <laughs> so you're that friend <laughs> yeah. so you're other, that friend, yeah, so now brother. if you're with your group of friends now you know you're that crazy <laughs> friend i'm the crazy one man oh, that's right <laughs> he stabbed a boar with a pocket knife in the heart with a pocket knife and then took the a heart. bite out of it <laughs> can you believe that yeah just took his heart out and took a bite out of it. Yeah, yeah. and this story's going to keep growing every time we tell it. <laughs> he pulled the nutsack off the board <laughs> and mixed it. Juggled it, it with one hand. <laughs> he juggled it. He juggled it. Picked one up and stuck the knife through it as it's in the air. It was amazing. Ate it like a meatball. Oh, man. How crazy, crazy is this guy? Joe, no wonder they made you run through people on football field. Made a wallet out of the skin. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, serious. This is serious time. His good friend named Ira Dean, who played for a band named Trick Pony. You ever heard the band named Trick Pony? 
You ever heard no. the song uh, "Pour Me, Pour Me, Pour Me a yeah. Shot of Whiskey"? You heard that? I've, I've heard that. One. So his okay. buddy wrote that. Didn't you write that? Yeah. He wrote that song, and he was in that band. He played bass, had the headlights. Anyway, his buddy's an avid hunter. Oh yeah. And uh, you and him would probably get along well. Y'all are both kind of nuts. And uh, he took the the scrotum sack of a deer. Was it him that did it? Yeah. Or somebody did it for him. And he took the scrotum sack of a deer, skinned it, made a music shaker. A shaker. Out of it. It's one of the best sounding shakers <laughs> yeah. you've ever heard. <laughs> it's got a natural tone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very organic. Yes. <laughs> you know, the producers are like, we need something just, I don't know, it's something just that's organic. Something, we need something with yeah. some balls. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we need some balls. <laughs> just something with some balls to it. Yeah. I got it. Hold on. Here comes Ira. I gotta get those. It's actually amazing looking. I gotta get the, I'm sure. I gotta get those balls on my tracks. Please. <laughs> really? I want, I want okay, that, we're track. gonna cut that separately. I gotta get those balls on my tracks. <laughs> that's gonna be, hey, that's that's what Ben's gonna use. Oh as yeah, the he intro. just cut that. He just separated that <laughs> while we were talking. I want those balls on my tracks. That's what he's gonna put at the beginning of the dad go. Dang it! I gotta watch what I say around here. Shoot! Sorry about that, Joe. It's a little. Ben always finds the right. worst part of me. And puts it right before the episode starts. You, if you listen to a couple, you probably heard a couple of them. Things I didn't even say. wasn't even my voice. Golly, something man. with balls. You just need something with balls. So, where do we send your ball, deer ball shaker to as a gift? <laughs> you can send it to my farm here in Redmond, Washington. I'd, actually, I'd like for you to deliver them. That would be even better. Oh, we're going to deliver balls to your house. We'll throw a big ass party with some balls. We'll Man. get everybody balls when they come in. Man, they're going to be like, Man, this party's got balls. balls yeah. I yeah. want to do a video, Joe, and you go with me here. I want to do a video with just that deer ball shaker. Yeah. And me singing. That's it. I don't want anything else. Just me. Shaking, I'm all, sometimes I'll sing into the balls. <laughs> just, just shake it, just, just like hit it on your cheek every now and then. <laughs> I mean, who has deer ball shakers, man? I've always, ever since that interview with him, I have, I have just really admired him. He carries, and he carries them everywhere. He has them at all times. Anyway, back to the yeah, interview. We're talking happened? about. Deer balls and, <laughs> and horse kicks and stabbing boars in the heart, which which was actually a good story. I like hearing about that. Uh, anything? Yeah. Have you stabbed anything else in the heart? Uh, well, I shot the alligator, and the alligator was about 150 yards away. And the way they get them is they've got these uh, fishing poles with hooks, and they throw it out, and they they hook into it, and they pull it close. And then your job is to go into the swamp and go retrieve it. So I step in the swamp and I step on a turtle, turtle shoots off to the side and I'm going through the weeds and all of a sudden a nest of fire ants just comes right mm. on top of me. Oh, I got obliterated. Oh my ants. God. I got that. I got that gator out of there, man. We ate him. Mm. It was delicious. Now they, uh, did you have to shoot it? Like uh, gators, when you shoot them, there's, there's like a quarter size spot on the top of their heads that you have to hit. They're actually really hard to. I think that's only if you shoot them with a twenty-two, though, right? 
You no, should. no, he's right about that. Yeah. Well, I remember yeah. seeing that They're in swamp people, like, but they were using a twenty-two. Yeah. But I figured yeah, if they, you shoot him with like a slug shot in the head, it seems like it's going to penetrate. That's what I thought. I don't, I don't know yeah. though. Well, from one hundred and fifty yards away, yeah, the the. You know, and and depending on which direction they're looking, if they're looking straight at you, you can't shoot them. But off to the side, you hit them right behind their their eyeball. And then if they're facing the other direction, you shoot them through the base of the neck. Well, I took part of his head off, and it was it was a three oh eight in Florida. You can use a oh suppressor. man three oh eight. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, it was that was a fun trip. Hopefully they do it justice. They're not going to show a lot of that, show. Joe. I don't know if what you're thinking is happening here. What kind of society we live in? But they ain't going to yeah. show you stabbing a boar in the heart no. and shooting a skull off of an alligator on TV. I don't think so either. Man. Ain't going to happen. Yeah, but to be honest, get the footage. <laughs> get the footage because we want to see it. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I want to see yeah. this stab in the heart thing. I think that's going to be that'd be man, amazing. Man, that is amazing. And that's a good clip for you to have for TikTok or something because that would that would really do well. well so, can, could can if I ask you a question, Marty? You can ask me anything you want. Okay, so I had a moment when I was playing football where I'm sitting at my locker right before the divisional championship game, and you, I imagine it being similar to you getting ready to go out on stage for a big performance, right? So I'm in, in my locker, and all of a sudden, the doors that led to the corridor where you run out onto the field open, and in rushes this incredible noise. The fans, they're all cheering and right. getting crazy. And it's like flipping a switch. You know, you flip a switch, and it just changes you as a human being. It changes the way you hear things and see things and smell things, and all your senses are heightened. Is that is that the kind of same same kind of thing that happens to you before a big performance? I when that happens to me, I soil myself before oh, going nice. out. Yeah, and so then I go out and I have to no. But in, seriously though, I that I'm qu- kind of the opposite. I do it if it's a big show like that, and I'm I got butterflies. It's it's a nervous nerve wracking situation because with your voice. You never know what your voice is going to be like from day to day. You don't know. You could wake up and have an allergy situation because you suck too much pollen down, and now you got a big show to do tomorrow, which that's why I never give anybody flack on these award shows that maybe they didn't sound as good as they normally would, and people are, like, destroying them online. You can get you get destroyed for the rest of your life for one bad performance if you're a big-time singer. Like, if you miss one note, like Adele missed one note one time, and she knew the game. So, she goes – she stopped the show. This is an award show. You know who Adele is, right? She stops the award show. Yeah. She was singing a tribute to uh, George Michael, and she messed up. She messed up bad. Like, it was horrible. It sounded horrible. She goes, hold on, hold on. She Because she knew what was going to happen. She was going to leave there. That video was going to go viral, and people were going to start saying, oh, Adele can't sing anymore, yeah. and all this stuff, when she's one of the most magical mm-hmm. singers of all time. So what she did was she stopped the show, and she said, we're going to start this again because I got to do George Michael right. I'm not going to do him like this. And I'm, I messed up. Not them. I messed up. And started again. It was amazing. Which is, you know, it, it's, mm-hmm. the nerves get to you when it comes to, to that. Now, I don't know about like – Chris is a songwriter and a musician, so he might know more about what it's like as a player. Because, I mean, I play guitar a little bit, but I try my best not to at most of my shows if I don't have to. I used to get this thing, um, I, you know, when I'd go in the studio 
And it wasn't a thing, like I'd done it, you know, I, I've written 1,200 songs and I've probably put a 1,000 of them, uh, you know, pr- produced them in the studio. So, I, you know, it wasn't like it was something that I was scared of or, but man, I went through this probably a few years of right before I went in to do vocals, like it was time for me to go in and sing them, these songs, I would get allergies or something wrong with my throat mm-hmm. and, and, and everybody's like, well, it's probably just, you know, um, uh, nerves. I'm like, I, but I'm not nervous. I, it's, it's so weird. And maybe it was, I just didn't know it. I think I have the same problem. And, it, and, and maybe it, maybe it like internally, it was something that I just, it, you know, subconsciously or something with the studio that don't happen to me, but with live shows that happens to me a lot. Like, yeah. Uh, the day, cause I'm, cause literally my mind is, is literally focused on, Oh Lord, please, please, Jesus, let me have a, a nice voice come day of the show. That's what I'm, I'm praying this every day. Thank you. I even say, thank you for letting me have it. Yeah. And what usually happens, this is the truth. This is a testimony rather. What usually happens is my voice will, will be messing with me for a while before and like it'll be the week of and it's messing with me messing with me and i'm like oh man this is my voice i'll be singing in the shower in the mornings like trying to yeah i'll have some flam or something happening <clears throat> and then the day of the show i wake up and everything's good usually 100 percent of the time that's what happens for me it's forgetting the words like i i've forgotten the words to so- like i've been up there i've forgotten the words to songs that you know that have done really well for me, you know, yeah. that I've sang probably a thousand times. And I'm like, how did I forget those words? Speaking of which, you're a country music fan. You ever heard the song Don't Blink by Kenny Chesney? Yeah, absolutely. He wrote that. Is that you? He yes, wrote that. You're a genius. You're a genius. With a capital J. <laughs> <laughs> the, the correlations are all there, you know, where you talk about if you have one bad performance, all of a sudden everybody's going to be, you know, you, you, right. it's this lens that's pointed at you and everybody's hyper-focused on the moment. Same thing as in, in sports, you know, <clears throat> that that one play that you make where John Madden circles you and he's like, Joe got his ass kicked right here. Watch this. That's the one everybody's going to remember. Right. You know, mm-hmm. forget yeah. about all the other notes that Adele hit or the the all the other song performances you've done in your career it's just that one moment could break you down man and that's it's there are a lot of correlations there so it's interesting to hear you guys talk about going out on the stage ahead of time because that was those were some of my favorite moments was right before the game happened where you have to call in the green guy the incredible hulk you know the (laughs) the guy you don't like him but sometimes you need him and, right. and you have to switch your mind over and get into the zone where normally everyday life, I'm a pretty good dude, but you, you hit me in the face and you're going to, you'll catch the Hulk. Right? right. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of correlations there. Just thanks for answering that. My okay. biggest fear, this is, this is my biggest fear. One of my biggest fears is somebody calling me to perform at the Super Bowl, the national anthem. Mm. To sing the national anthem at the Super Bowl, that seems like the most nerve-wracking thing that could ever happen to yeah. uh, to me. And it's something that you can't turn down. You can't. There's no way you can turn it down, but you know. 
that it's yeah it's one of it's those hardest song to sing too. yeah yeah because you know if you if you come in too at, on a key too high like you might be uh uh oh say can you see yeah you know? and you're like oh shoot i came too high I should have been yeah. and then at the very end it gets really high land of the free yeah. you know then you're like oh shoot you know when it's coming it's the worst yeah it's the worst thing to have to, i've sung the national anthem once for a, a sports team and it was the most nerve-wracking thing ever because i'm sitting there you want to come in like oh say <laughs> you want to go way <laughs> down <laughs> just do a vocal fry the whole time <laughs> and you see by the dawn's early. <laughs> like you, you had like natural compression by the dawn's early light what so loudly we yeah. <laughs> everybody's like is this recorded <laughs> or is he actually singing that? This ain't Marty, I know. Anyway, out of the four teams that you played for, which one do you think was your best year? Your best years came from? The best years? Well, I played in the Super Bowl with the Seahawks. Um, it was the first year that they had ever gone to the Super Bowl as a franchise. Started in 1976. Um, in college... My university had the very best team that has ever been part of the university. I was part of that. Um, Chicago Bears, we made it to the NFC Championship game. I was part of that. Arizona Cardinals, that team was the first time they'd ever been to the Super Bowl as a franchise, and I was part of that. So I like to think that me being part of these organizations I played a big role in helping get them to the next level. Now, doesn't mean I'm the superstar player, but when it comes to having the the team unity and being a good dude in the locker room to have and somebody that you can always go to for advice, somebody that wants to keep everybody together, that's the role that I played. There's a lot of different roles out there on the field. Some guys need to make the big throw or the big catch or have to be the star on defense. I was a guy that, you know, you – Ask me to, Joe, when you're done with this game, I need you to clean the toilets. All right, I'm going to go do that. That's <laughs> So uh, to answer your question, I think my favorite team was probably the uh, Seahawks in 2005. A lot of team chemistry. We had virtually no superstars on the team except for Sean Alexander. And we made our way all the way and and – Went all the way to the Super Bowl, got cheated out of it, but we still made it. And he got uh, he got hurt before the Super Bowl, didn't he? And then came back early or something. Didn't that happen that year? Say that again. I'm sorry. Sean Alexander didn't he get hurt with some kind of injury, and then he he was supposed to be out for the Super Bowl, but he ended up coming back early. Didn't that happen that year? Mm, I, you know, I can't remember. Probably there was yeah. some year where we Sean had an Alexander offensive line that year. Yeah, there was some year where Sean Alexander was killing it, and he actually got hurt. And they said that he was not going to be – he was out the rest of the season, and he ended up coming back before uh, they they told him. And, he, you know, he, they asked him how, and he said it was a miracle. And he played well. He did very well. Anyway, what yeah. just what's, what's some advice that you would give a, a young athlete that is trying – that is trying to go after the dream that you have achieved of just making it to the NFL. What do you tell them? 
my advice is to do the little things because the little things eventually become the big things. You show up, you be ready to work, you practice your fundamentals on your own time. You always got to practice the fundamentals. You know, how often do you spend in front of the mirror making those faces and, you know, singing, singing the right notes and all of this. It's the same thing. You, um, you do the little things, you do the little things to a point where they become an unconscious competence for you, where you don't even have to think about them. Cause once that happens, you elevate your game to the next level and then you can start focusing on the things that make you superior. Hmm. That's my advice. I like that. I do too. Very nice. Yeah. You know, Abraham Lincoln said this. If you told gave me an axe and told me to chop down a tree and you gave me 24 hours to do it, I'd spend 23 hours sharpening the axe. Didn't he say that, Chris? Yep. I heard that from Chris Walden. Never forgot it. It's a, it's a great quote. He also said, members of Congress, you call me two-faced. <laughs> But if I was two-faced, do you think I would really be wearing this one? <laughs> here, here. Here, here. <laughs> Joe, we do a segment in our show called Why Would They Do That? Where we discuss a crazy thing that some company usually did and created that's just outlandish. And if you heard one of our shows, you know what I'm talking about. This one is have you ever found yourself with filthy hands and wished with all your heart that you could just have some hand sanitizer but carbonated and, and out of a Coke can? Well, you're in luck. Troubled Monk has granted your wish with carbonated hand sanitizer in a can. Pull that picture up, Ben. Carbonated hand sanitizer. Carbonated hand sanitizer. Man. That's what the world needs right That's now. That's what we need. And it literally says, don't drink. Don't drink. That, that looks a little too much like my naughty ice. It yeah. might. That's probably what it actually is. <laughs> on, a, on a drunken night, that's that's going to be Turn dangerous. that up. Well, Ooh. there's alcohol in it, so, you know. That, yeah, that I mean. It probably tastes better. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably... That's probably uh, slits. Yeah. They just wrap the label around some slits. Isn't that a bad beer? I don't know. I don't drink beer. No Is slits idea. a bad beer? What's a bad beer? Other than the ones you called out. PBR? Uh, you know, I don't like the ones that are real perfumey. The ones that have a lot of uh, fragrance to them. My wife drinks... Uh, what is that stuff? Um, it's... Oh, God. White Claw. Oh yeah, white claw. White claw. I bet claw. that tastes like white claw. Is that? I thought that was a. I thought that was like an alcoholic water. Yeah. Is that what that is? It's like a seltzer or something. It's like a it? seltzer. Yeah. An alcoholic seltzer. You gotta say seltzer. Seltzer. Yeah, seltzer. seltzer. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you know have slight slight uh in speech impediment to say the word properly. Seltzer. Yeah, seltzer. <laughs> yeah. Now. Into your uh, your new ventures, shifting from the NFL career into entrepreneurship, what happens in a, in a man's mind where when you know it's over? Like when does that happen? When you go, well, they just no other team's picking me up, or did you start shifting way before then? You know, I wish I I wish that I had done that. I wish I had prepared myself, even though you know going into this that you can't do it forever. 
uh, you still, one, once you take your mind off of the game and you start focusing on something else, you lose your edge. So you have to be hyper-focused the whole time. So I didn't spend any time while playing football thinking about what I was going to do after football. And, and it's a shame because there are so many opportunities when you're a professional football player playing in the NFL, you go to the Super Bowl, you got the world at your fingertips. I played in a game where I tackled Brett Favre one time and he turned around and he threw the ball at my head and got a 15-yard penalty. I went anywhere in Chicago. They were pouring me shots. It didn't matter who, <laughs> what bar I went into. They were they loved them some Joe Tafoya. <laughs> but that moment was so short-lived, you know? Right. And so when I was playing, I didn't really capitalize on all those opportunities. So I got injured and I came out of surgery and the, the doctor who was working on my on my foot, he says, Joe, it uh, looks like you're not going to be able to run, jump, or cut the way that you used to. And so your career is probably over playing football. And then he walks out of the room. And that's it. 19 years I spent playing football. And in a moment, it's gone. And, you know, I'm sitting on the couch watching the team that I just played for, watching all my buddies play. I'm popping a bunch of Percocet. And I'm in a boot. Mm you know, feeling sorry for myself and, and falling into depression. And you just, you have to find a way to transform who you are. You, you recreate yourself, so to speak. And then you realize, oh man, I got this incredible set of skills, but they don't really apply to business. Or at least right. I didn't think they did because you, who, who in the world of business wants to know how to, read an, an offense or where to place your hand on an opponent. Those are things you do as a coach or a commentator. So I, I knew I wasn't going to do either one of those things because I didn't really love football that much. But when I started showing up on time, when I was prepared for my business meetings and I've got the little bit of cachet behind me, just playing in the Super Bowl, just played in the Super Bowl, just had a lot of success in the NFL you start to realize some of those intangible things really do matter. Just showing up is like, number one, you show up, you say you're going to do something and you do it. Wow. In today's day and age, that's a big thing. You know, how many guys have you had cancel on you for your show? Probably a lot. You know, you show up, you pay attention to the little things and you just work on your fundamentals. And for me, the mind shift happened when uh, my wife looked at me and she said, hey, football is just something you did. It's not who you are. And so I went off and I bought a company. <laughs> it was my first move. I bought a company Hackathon? from the United States government. Hackathon, was that the one? Uh, no, it was called Viva Vision, and I bought it from the United States government. Really? And it was an incredibly distressed asset. I bought it fired everybody, turned myself into the CEO and we flipped the company around and made a bunch of money for my investors. I thought, Oh, business is easy. That's all awesome. hard business. Nope. <laughs> I've failed over and over and over and over trying to get back to that moment of success. What is, is, and, is, uh, is there a company called hackathon that you were involved with? Yeah. So that was AT&T. We developed a series of hackathons with AT&T. And that's where you get a bunch of coders in a room together 
and you give you give them a project to deliver in 24 hours and it's amazing what these creative people can come up with you know they're developing applications that can be the next big thing you know as a matter of fact one of the one of the young kids that was in my hackathon in south by southwest um he turned out to be god he he was involved with the initiation process for TikTok. Really? So, no, right? Wow. You should get in with him and ask him how the algorithm works <laughs> for me to help me. <laughs> I'm having a hard time hearing you guys for some reason. Check. Joe, you there? Okay, there you go. You should ask your buddy at TikTok to help me learn the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you on TikTok? I could see you. I could see your big ass out there dancing. You know? Oh man! Uh, yeah. Oh, he's like. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm a dancer. <laughs> I dance in a speedo, Joe. <laughs> Follow me, please. <laughs> Only fans. Sometimes you got to sell out a little bit. You got to sell out a little bit, don't you? <laughs> you got to shake it. You got to yeah. shake you your gotta, money maker. You got to shake it till you out. make it. <laughs> that really resonates with me, though, Joe. What you said because you know I, I, I wrote songs for twenty years. You know, and that's all I did. And I, I literally pushed away anything that wasn't that. Like, And there's so many opportunities looking back that I could have done to incorporate that. But, you know, but when, you know, after so many years, you know, it's like, well, I'm looking back and my resume is just I wrote songs for 20 years. <laughs> It's like, it's, you know, and, and I'm, I'm in the middle right now of kind of, you know, transitioning a little, I'll always do that, but transitioning into other things. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do that when you've been doing something for so long and you, and you think it, that, you know, it defines you when really, yeah, it, I call, I call it know. a, I call it a boot moment. I'm sitting there watching my career that I had just spent 19 years doing, I'm sitting there watching television in a boot and it happens to everybody, you know, like somebody, you can have an accident. You could have a life altering moment. Something happens where you're in a boot and you have to transform yourself. You become something completely different than what you originally set out to do. Right. And, uh, I think a lot of people can relate with that. Yeah. So you're not alone. You know, I've never had that problem as far as looking at, uh, like, for instance, music. Because, you know, I started podcasting, actually. Before this podcast here, in 2007, I believe it was. I believe it was 2007. I'm horrible with times and dates. But I was podcasting before anybody else really was. It was like, before Joe Rogan, I was podcasting. Because I thought, this right here is the wave of the future, man. And that's what I wanted to do. And uh, that's all I wanted to do. Didn't even didn't even think about. It. Let's get into. I'm gonna get into music or something. And even though I love to write songs and I would write songs, but I never thought that was an actual possibility. But I, I if anything came along, I always said until I had. I would always turn it down until I had a guest named Darius Rucker on my show back then. Didn't have any fans, and Darius Rucker came on my show. And Chris, you know this story. And uh, he, I asked him at the end of that show, I said, what, he probably doesn't even remember me, but I said, what does 
What's the one the, – I ask everybody the same question. I used to ask this all the time. What's the, the best advice you give to somebody trying to get to where you're at? The same as I asked you. And I don't ask everybody that, that now, but I wanted to hear your take on it. Kind of brought that back, strangely enough. But I asked him that, and he goes, just play. Just don't look at any opportunity and think, well, there's no, there's no fruit there, essentially. Right. Just entertain them all and see what happens. And I said – that's very astute, Darius. And I said, all right, I'm going to do that. So I started doing that. Just any time there was an opportunity that came, I said, I'm not going to look at that and go, that ain't nothing going to happen with that. I just started going after all of them. And then next thing you know, God opens all these doors that otherwise wouldn't open. And it's because one of the main reasons is because of Darius Rucker telling me to just play. And I said, all right, that's what I'm doing. And uh, so that from that day forward, I never, I never looked at any opportunity as one that was like, well, this this ain't worth my time. You know what I'm saying? I look at all of them like there could be something here. I don't know. You know what I'm saying, Joe? I do. I you know you capture the moment, live in the moment. Yep. And um, it it makes me happy to hear you say that you're not going to turn an opportunity down because a lot of guys do. They get caught up with ego. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to go play that show. There's only going to be 20 people there. Well, you never know who those 20 people might be. One of them might be someone who starts TikTok. <laughs> right. You, wait, you're right about Oh, we uh -oh. lost him. Uh, oh, there he is. We lost you for a minute, Joe. I was, uh, I was trying to make a prolific point. Dang it. Say it again. <laughs> Act like it never happened. Yeah, you said, said you're right. I like that part. You said you're right. And then you cut off. And I was like, man, I like where he's headed with this. <laughs> I said, you're right, because you never know who's going to show up at the show that you play at. It could be one of the people that founded TikTok, mm -hmm. right? You just never know who it's going to be. Yep. And when God opens that door for you, you got to be willing to walk through it. And that's me. I'm, I'm you know? a living, I'm a, my whole life's, my life is literally Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. That's all it is. I have no secrets, no tricks, no tips other than put God first and you use your gift. Don't bury it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's literally my life. It's I can't explain it any other way. I don't know how I would have met people like Joe even. Why is Joe here? Because God ordained this for through Trevor. How do you know Trevor? I met him on an app called Clubhouse. That's how I met Trevor. Yep. So you're on Clubhouse then? I'm on Clubhouse. Man, yeah. Clubhouse is making the connections. That's right. How you like it? I spent a lot of time on it the first month or so. Everybody and, uh, says the same thing. That's exactly what everybody says. That's the way I was. That's what everybody says. Yeah. You can get a little burned out, though. Yeah. You know, you I'm so burned you out. Uh, limit yourself, you get burned out. I couldn't like there was there's people still that go on there every oh, I know. single yeah, yeah. day for hours. I, mentally, I can't do that. Like I for a while I was doing yeah. that. I was like, man, this is this is crazy. I'm meeting, yeah, I'm at I'm at this person and that person, and then I'm like, I got to be in here. I felt like I had to be there at all times because I was like, I'm missing yeah. something. Mm -hmm. It was very addictive for a moment. I was like, I'm missing somebody's going to jump in this room because Tyrese and and all these people jumping in different rooms, and I'm like, somebody going to jump in, and I ain't going to be there. So there was times when I would lay my lay my phone down with it on, yeah. and I'd be going to sleep. I'd just be going to sleep and listening, hoping if I would wake up if I heard somebody. But then I was like, "This is, I can't do this anymore. This is for first of all, 
it's time consuming. Yeah. And and my family, my family were like, because I was at going out to eat and I had that thing on low while they were while they were <laughs> while they were uh, yeah. we were eating. It was because uh, I did the same thing. Did you really? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was doing the same thing. It's so you can experience burnout from it though. Yeah, I'm, I'm so burnt out now. I've been trying. I try to get on there every now and then just to make a presence. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I hadn't been on there in a long time. I really thought it was the wave of the future. When mm-hmm. it first started, I said, man, it's right here. It's about to take the world by yeah. storm. But now I feel like probably not, you know, because I think yeah. people are starting to figure out that it's essentially a party line. You're, you're going back in technology. You're not right. going forward in technology. So I think people are starting to go, nothing, this is all the same repetitive things being said over and over and over again. And we just hear it from a different mouth. And then, so then you start, all these people are leaving. Unless they're trying to sell something. The people that are trying to sell something are still there every day. You know what yeah, I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. They're there every day. It's, it's, it's kind of like an AOL chat room when you said you're going backwards. That's what it reminded me of. You can be anybody in there. You know, you can put anything on your profile and be whatever you want to be. Yeah. I'm a very bottom line kind of person. And I started weighing how much time I was spending doing that versus how much money it was making me. <laughs> And it got very unbalanced very quickly. So yeah. I stopped. Yeah. Well, Unless I'm going to make a bunch of money doing it, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time doing it. Because, look, I could be doing whatever the hell I want out here on the farm. You could be getting run over by that horse in a minute if he gets any closer. <laughs> That's Guinness. Speaking of Guinness, good segue, Joe. Wow, you're. did I send you the show notes? <laughs> no. Speaking of Guinness, Jump It is a company that you – own correct yeah it was we uh i closed that company but i did own it yes and this company was the one you were with when you decided with other people to break the guinness world record for loudest crowd roar and you did it at seattle stadium which was uh what was yeah. it, what's the name of the stadium there Central i forgot Central what's stadium. the name of the seattle stadium uh, it was CenturyLink back then. It's now called Lumen Field. You know they got new sponsors. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was an incredible moment in my life. Like I had just come off of playing football, and I remember that moment where I'm sitting at my locker and I was listening to the crowd noise and hearing that that noise come in and get into my body. And I always wanted to let the fans know how important that was for for players, right? And so one day um, we, I had just had a daughter and she was screaming in my ear like three in the morning and she let go of this whale. And I was like, oh, that was like a record noise right there. <laughs> so I'm in front of my computer. and What's the loudest noise ever recorded? And you go down the wormhole. And it turned out that there was a, a crowd cheer in Turkey at some soccer stadium that held the record. And I said, there ain't no way this stadium is louder than the one I experienced. So I'm going to submit my application for Guinness world record. Before I knew it, Marty, I had reporters coming to my house. I had people calling me up from the NFL. I had German television stations knocking on my door because everybody wanted to know what is this thing the fans are doing to participate in the game. All of a sudden, we have an unfair advantage here at CenturyLink Stadium. And and the Seahawks called me in and they said, listen, it's impossible. 
that noise that you're trying to record, it's impossible to record it. So when this fails, Joe, it's on you. So we can't help. And I said, oh, crap, I'm in for it now. <laughs> what, wow. do they mean? what do they mean they couldn't help? What, what does that mean? Well, they, they, they couldn't put their name on it. it. Be, yeah, they, but, they wanted it to be an organically fan-initiated thing. So as a former player, I'm, usually, I'm, I'm just a fan. I'm no longer a player. I don't work for the Seahawks anymore. And they told me it was going to fail. They said they had already done studies in the middle of the field. They had been recording crowd noise for a long time. And I thought, well, that's fine, but the cat's already out of the bag. I'm not going to let this fail. So I, I hired my own sound person, brought him in, and then we recorded sound during uh, a football game. And it was all, I, I didn't get any help from the NFL, didn't get any help from the Seahawks. It was all very fan driven very organic thing it was a guerrilla marketing effort and and a moment happened where one of our players intercepted the ball ran it into the end zone and the crowd erupted and sure enough it broke the loudest uh crowd noise ever recorded in an outdoor stadium right then and there and then it started trending it was worldwide trending so for a moment i was pretty famous person that's all awesome. <laughs> like being on one of those reality television shows that just shakes your world you know yeah so when they um, said they wasn't going to be involved they meant we're not going to let you bring fans in here and before a game record the sound of what they say we're not no. going to help you in that way that's what they meant no they meant they weren't going to help me at all i had to buy my own ticket into the game they would had to buy a ticket that's just I messed had to up. Buy a ticket for the guinness world records people into the game when so, we brought in our sound equipment, they were going to keep us outside because it's illegal to bring in outside sound equipment. But it was such a big story that the news reporters had already caught wind of this. And they're like, oh, so the Seahawks aren't going to let this happen. You guys are afraid you're not allowed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You <laughs> hand, you know? <laughs> but I guarantee you that after you broke it, they put it, they were all on board then, weren't they? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And not just them. I started getting phone calls from Jacksonville and I got a phone call from Kansas City and I got a phone call from New Orleans and all of them wanted to know if I would come and help them with their crowd noise. And then a couple of basketball teams started calling me and I thought, you know, this isn't really what I want to do with my life. Like, it all right. after doing it the first time, it was cool, you know, but ah, it seemed a little bit like the WWF or WWE. Yeah. A little bit of it was faked. And so I didn't like that. And then it turned into a Guinness World Records thing where they knew they could get a lot of publicity off of it and there was a branding opportunity to put them next to the NFL. And it just it didn't seem organic to me anymore, so I I got off of it. So you did it at a couple of more places? I did not. No. I had the opportunity. They were going to hire me to come in as a consultant and I didn't do it. They were going to hire you to come in and consult their crowd noise to, to try to break the yeah. record for a moment. So it was a, it was a temporary consultation. Yeah. Right. That's right. Okay. That's I right. got you. So everybody at this yeah. point is wanting to have Joe Tafoya in to break the new Guinness world record. Imagine if he would have yeah. went with that. And then everybody's now, it would have been so old hearing about every new stadium breaking the world. Yeah. They've been packing people on the, on the court. In Memphis, in FedEx Forum in Memphis, and then it, been, it wouldn't even been a real game. No. At, at the, you know, there's been some weird stuff happening. Everybody's just been tired of hearing it. But at this point, yeah. I don't guess they still hold the record in Seattle, right? Actually, Kansas City broke it. Uh oh. 
So Kansas City broke the record, and then we got it back, and then they got it back. <laughs> and, you know, I, I knew what it took, what type of noise it took to get to that level where they claimed to have gotten, and there's no way. You could stand right behind a jet engine with your sound recording device, and it would not get to those decibel levels. So something happened where then Guinness is cashing in on this whole thing, you know? Right. Yeah, because so they get just, paid. You got to pay them to get in their record book. Yeah, it cost me ten grand. I paid it out of my own pocket. Oh, Joe. Yeah. But it was a good opportunity for me to Joe brand something. I would have. You know, let me be honest. I with sold t-shirts. Right. But I started me, selling. Go ahead. You started selling ahead. t-shirts. Well, that, that was the way for me to try and earn some of that money back, and then it got to be really big, and so then. Um, that transitioned into a, a t-shirt business that we turned on and next thing i know i'm doing a deal with nike so oh so you did you did make more than your money back then yes i did oh, okay well i was about to say line. i was about to say i would have took taken at least one of those cons- consultation deals to get my money back <laughs> you know what i mean but you you made more than that so that's good it's good news yeah i would i think that the loudest crowd i've ever heard was definitely in the Superdome, uh, but that's a dome. It's not an outside, so it, right. it's different because they couldn't even be in the running. I guess that would be a whole nother record. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, uh, outdoor stadium versus indoor stadium. Who's I think did, does anybody have arena. the record for indoor? Yeah, I think there's a basketball arena that owns that one. I want to say it's. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. Which Probably one Houston or something. Mm. Or no, probably Madison Square Garden. That seems like they would they would own it. Anyway, how many companies do you own now? Do you you still in because you're still an entrepreneur? So are you? I, I am, but I've I've really reeled it back. You know, I'm right now focused on living kind of a sustainable lifestyle. We're doing well. Don't really need the money anymore. I like to spend time with my family. So my wife has a company, and I help her with her company. So she's got a company called Lady 12, and we just we, – we turned the T-shirt business into something spectacular. We got 400 retailers carrying our products, and then we switched it on to Lady 12, and now she does it all. Hmm. So your wife has a company that has clothing in 400 retailers. Correct. Son of a gun. That's How much, awesome. I asked this to everybody. How much money is in your bank account right now? <laughs> um. Let's see. I'll, I'll give you the first two years that we did it. We made right. about two point two million the first year. Wow. Two point four the next. Son of a gun. What's your biggest NFL More contract? Money than I was making playing football. I was about to ask you. What, what was your biggest contract for a year? Your biggest pay for a year as a football seven, player? Seven hundred forty-five thousand. Seven hundred forty-five thousand. So you weren't on. You definitely weren't on the bottom. The bottom, I think, is three hundred and something thousand, isn't it? Yeah, that's the rookie minimum i believe yeah are you happier this is i know this is what the, what the answer is this but are you happier as a businessman and what you're doing now or are you happier as a football player there there are some things that i miss about football um i miss the camaraderie and being in the locker room you know i miss hanging out with the boys it's something that you i grew up doing my whole life but i'm a thousand percent happier now I, I wish I still had those paychecks. Those were good paychecks, but <laughs> I'm, I'm a thousand percent happier now just living on the farm and raising my kids. 
you know, being their coach and their dad, they don't even realize what I did with my life. They don't, and I, I don't really care to tell them, you know, right. They, they know that dad played football and they can't understand why a lot of people are always coming up to me, asking me for autograph and pictures and stuff like that. So I like to keep it that way. Hmm. That's something you have, you have girls. I've got a little girl and a boy. At some point when your boy grows up, is he, you're going to, he's going to hope. I'm sure he's going to find out you played in the NFL if he's playing sports. Yeah. 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 So he's, he's going to be like, dad, why didn't you tell right me <laughs> all this time? You played in the Super Bowl, dad. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's me trying to not encourage him to do something he doesn't want to do because I didn't even really like football. Really? Up. I, I was into fishing and hunting and being outdoors. Stabbing boards so and good. I was so much better than everyone else at, at sports that my family forced me into it. They pushed me to play. And I was very unhappy playing and going to practice all the time. And I, it was just too easy. I would beat everybody. I was better than everyone else, so I didn't have to try hard. And then eventually when the girls started coming around and you know, when you play football and you're the top guy, you get all the girls, then it's exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I want him to do what he wants to do because he's going to have opportunities to do things that I never did. You know, we I grew up in near Oakland and grew up around a lot of drugs and a lot of violence. And my opportunity to get out of there was to play sports. And he doesn't have to worry about that. So yeah. I want him to focus on the things that make him happy. That's a blessing for sure. What else you got? What else you got coming up? Um, let's see. We, well, I got some raspberries in the back over there. Yes, sir. You can't really see them right now. <laughs> They're growing. <laughs> Before you go, can you no, ride I'm... that black horse out as we, as you in this? <laughs> <laughs> Do you I'm ride it bareback? Doing that. Do you bareback that no, thing? I'm not doing that. You can't peer pressure me to do that. No, one. I'm saying, do you bareback it? Do you bear bareback no. ride it? No, no. I was going to say, you wild. Dangerous. That man wild. <laughs> Just when you somebody tells me they stab a boar in the heart and suck the blood out of the heart, and then rip the balls off of the boar, I'm thinking this guy bareback rides horses. Well, yeah, that's just a that's just a common, right? You have to. You have to bareback a horse. It's against the law not to. Probably stands behind a horse, allows it to kick him, and catches the the hoof. <laughs> is what I'm thinking happens, yeah. right, Joe? That's what happens. That's like the to, story we're going to tell. Yeah, <laughs> to block him out of the ring. Yeah, like, just, when I was playing. Yeah, <laughs> he shows. He's like, well, this is how you show hand movement when he teaches people how to do hand movement. He's like, all right, stand behind the horse. Horse goes. He's like, ah. <laughs> and then the next person gets up there, and they're like, oh shoot, they get kicked and they fly back. It's great. Yeah, it's great, Joe. You really, you really do, really teaching the people. Before we go, we always do an unbelievable fact. You might think it's not true, but I assure you that it is. It's hard to believe it's an unbelievable fact. This show's unbelievable fact is, you might know this, you're a wild man. You okay. can tell the temperature by counting a cricket's chirps. Did you know this? No, I did not. You got crickets in Seattle? Yes, we do. That's interesting. I guess they really are everywhere. Apparently... Did you know this? You, I didn't. Yeah. Apparently, you can count how many times a cricket chirps in 15 seconds and add 37 to that. That's the approximate temperature in Fahrenheit. 
Whoa. Is that crazy or what? The hell out of that. Wow. Who yeah, who 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 did that study? Who said, yeah. wait a minute? Did you hear that? If when I had 37 to that number, <laughs> that's the temperature. <laughs> who figures that out? Somebody's I'm bored. Never, I'm so bored. bored. No no pun intended. Bored. Bored. Heart staff. Anyway. 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 Joe, a it's a, a pleasure reach. and an honor. And I do want to talk to you about maybe, you know, Chris and I coming out there doing a show or something and having 100,000 people on your property <laughs> and uh, probably just be like Woodstock out there. You okay with that? I'm good. I've got a lot of really good connections, you guys. Let's definitely stay in touch. Please. Uh, Heck yeah. Any connections I, you got, I need them. Because I like don't have you them. Out, I <laughs> You're my guy now. Right on. We're cousins. Can we be cousins? Only if we could turn my boar ball sack into maracas. Nice. I got them coming your way, Joe. <laughs> Send me the boar balls. I'm going to send you back maracas. <laughs> Can you mail boar balls in the mail? Hmm. wonder what the post no. office is on that. <laughs> What's in here? Is this fragile? It's very fragile. It's boar testicle. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, you can mail it. <laughs> the blo- the box is bloody. Oh, has <laughs> got blood all over the box. Anyway, <laughs> Joe. That, that went downhill. Anyway. <laughs> is Joe frozen right now? Is he froze? No, I'm not. Oh. I'm, I'm trying to send you this picture of the boar that I oh, shot. Oh, sweet. I thought you sent me and a picture the of the boar's testicles. <laughs> Let's see. That's going to show up right now, and you're going to say, good God, that's a large alligator. <laughs> well, that's a large boar, too. Daggum. Yeah. You see that spear right in front of it there? Yeah. If you send it to me, I'll put that's it the up one they on gave the me that. screen. Oh, that's a good idea. Let me send it to... Let me send it to you, Ben, and you can put it up on the screen for the people to see. The peoples. Because they just see, they hear us talking, they're like, I wish I could see it. Daddy, I wish I could see the picture. <laughs> Daddy, let me see. <laughs> no, son. Then the people listening on ju- on just the podcast is going to be like, I, I still can't they're see like, it. They're like, I still I see cannot it. see it. because The gator, <laughs> though. That's yeah. like a seven-foot, eight-foot gator. Nine-foot gator. It's 12 12 foot, two inches. 12 foot, two wow. inches. That's what I said. I called it right on the money. Yeah, right on the money. 12 foot, two oh, inches. Yeah, right on the dot. Exactly. Dive. I'm like Correct. the guy that counts the cricket chirps. I know things yeah. just by looking. Oh, yeah. That's incredible, man. Who is this Who is this uh, little swole fellow beside you here? Yeah, that's um, he's one of the guys that helped put the show together. Uh, as a member of the NFL Players Association, I'm part of a union. All right. And so – the he's a he's a, with a group called the Union Sportsmen Alliance, and their role is to just take guys like me out on these trophy hunts and film them. He's got a great life. Man, that's awesome. And now you got a great life because you get to go be involved in a show, that's right? A TV that's show, right. television. Golly, man, this man's on TV now. Man. I mean, other than sports, he's already been on TV. But Joe, God bless you, brother, and uh, hopefully we see you soon. I mean that about the show now, yeah, putting something together. Hey, there it is. Ben finally got his job done. <laughs> go ahead and uh, go ahead. You see that, Joe? Can you see that on your side? Yes, I can. Look at that thing. Man, look at it. 300 and we weighed it at 350 some odd pounds right there. I can't believe that you Thumb literally took a pocket knife. Was it at least a Swiss Army? 
<laughs> no, it was old time. Just the pocket knife they gave me from for being on the show. Was it a was now when you say pocket knife? This wasn't like a little. This wasn't like a little boy's pocket knife. This was a. Well, it kind of was. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was just one of the little ones you pop open like that. Now, when this bore, <laughs> did it? <laughs> so crazy. I got. I hope I see this footage. I hope you at least get oh, this footage. Man, look at the alligator. Look at that thing. It's that's some boots. Can you blow that up, Ben? Did you say that's look, some boots? Man, look at his head. <laughs> some boots. You just Somebody got canceled. You shot him in the head. I got canceled. You I'm, got canceled. Man, it was a good run. It was a good run. <laughs> it was a good run. Now I'm canceled. Yeah, that, that really didn't work too well, Ben, but what, appreciate the effort. Wow. Yeah, it looks good, man. Looks like it's about 12 foot 2 inches. Yeah. That's exactly it's, what it was. Wow, that's gun. amazing. If man, I, golly. Yeah, man, ain't I, ain't I You're good? so good at that. I just I see things. I've got, a, I've got a random fact for you also. Oh, let's hear it then. You want to hear it? I sure do. Yeah, so you can tell the size of an alligator by measuring from snout to eyeball, and the distance there is how large they are in feet. So it transfers from inches to feet. Son of a gun. That's cool. Wow. Did you try that, test that out with your 12 foot two? We did. Yeah. Because we were looking for a big alligator for me to get. And when they float on the water, just the top of their head comes over the top of the water. Right. They'll be floating down. So you can't see the rest of their body. You can't see how big they are. And there's now there's apps and stuff where you can actually point something you can point your phone at a wall and it measures the wall for you right so i bet you could actually do it with gators you could My, if a gator's yeah. head was up you could point the phone at it and it would go that's uh 12 inches right there and you go that's a 12 foot gator right there probably yeah. but these old boys from florida they've been <laughs> hunting alligators their whole life they could just right they can tell they, they saw the alligator 10 miles before i ever ever even saw anything they had already seen it did you ever watch swamp people i do yeah oh is that still on yeah it's still on was yeah i don't know if the new ones are coming on but i, I know it's still on tv I'm talking about the, they don't have a new series i don't know do, yeah do they have a new series joe like new new episodes because um, i've seen all the old ones yeah i think yeah, they're probably just playing the reruns for the old ones. Then. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because now they got Joe Joe Tafoya takes on the jungle <laughs> and the swamp. Should have been wearing like a loincloth or something out there. Right? I know, man. Really, Ali. I didn't want you to wear one, but <laughs> you probably should have been. But I don't want to. I don't want to watch it if that's the case. I want you to be fully, fully dressed in Seattle Seahawks attire the whole time. <laughs> the funny thing was, after I had stabbed that boar in the heart with my pocket knife the guy that's filming he pulls the camera down and he's like you guys are gross <laughs> I goes, ew ew <laughs> i hate that i can't believe i just filmed yeah. that <laughs> yeah all right joe hey we're gonna let you get out of here get back to milking your horses and uh, <laughs> uh maybe you don't milk your horse don't do that that's not gonna be what you expect um anyway God bless you again, brother. So good to meet you, Joe. Good to meet you, Joe. You too, guys. Really appreciate right. it, man. All right, Have brother. Fun. See you, man. All right. Take care. Ah, thank you all so much for listening to the Marty Ray Project Chats. And a big thank you to Rode for supplying the sound with Rodecaster Pro. Whether you like what you heard or hated what you heard, 
Subscribe and rate us anyway. Let us have it.